baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Nick Wilson and Spencer German tackle the arrival of Bill O'Brien in Columbus and all the other big college football headlines on the new Sons of the Shoe episode. Follow Sons of the Shoe on 923thefan.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, they've got plenty to talk about when it comes to Ohio State. Uh, and then, you know, you've got Tommy Reese, who we've been talking about. It sounds like he is uh, the former um, offensive coordinator for Alabama, is in line for the tight ends job, or at least here in Cleveland, if that's the way it's going to shake out. So we want to turn to an old friend here who can help us out and give us some insight, especially with everything that's going on in Alabama right now. And his name is Eli Gold. He's the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide, and he is on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Eli, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you, gentlemen. How are you? Hi, Eli. Thank you. How are you? I can't imagine not having Nick Saban to kick around anymore or to be around huh. anymore. Well, you know, he and I get along wonderfully. So, uh, you know, I, I've told this to a lot of people here. I've been interviewed, obviously, a, a lot here over the last couple of weeks. And I, I said, I'm thrilled for him. I'm thrilled for him and for Miss Terry and for the kids and for the grandchildren because they now get to have a, a real life. Uh, I am not so thrilled for me personally. <laughs> I'm not so thrilled for the fans or the program, although Coach DeBoer is an outstanding hire. Uh, he's going to do just fine. But, yeah, I'm going to miss working with Nick Saban. There's no question about it. Uh, but, you know, he earned every minute of time free that he's going to have from now till whenever. He has earned all of that. So um, I'm, I'm thrilled for him. Uh, but yeah, I, I hate to see it, but uh, but Coach DeBoer is going to be just fine. Well, Eli, you get to spend the next ten minutes with two Kent State guys, so we'll try to fill in where the coach left off. I mean, we're, we're, just, we're just Kent Staters. That's all we are. Just like Nick. Us. Was it a surprise, Eli, when it Coach was. Saban stepped down? Yeah, it was to me. I mean, we all knew. I mean, it didn't take an Einstein to know that we were closer to the end of his tenure than we were to the beginning. I mean, he wasn't going to do another 17 years. We all knew that. But uh, I, I didn't see it coming uh, the way it did. But, you know, when you stop to think about it, that's typical Nick Saban. He just makes up his mind, and that's that, and uh, he moves on. So, yeah, I was surprised. But, uh, you know, when you stop and analyze it and look back over the, you know, over the years, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised. Who knows? I just, you know, you think about that job and you think about the school and, and the greatness that's been at Alabama and then the pressure for the next head coach. And, you know, I keep looking at college football now as four sides of the ball, offense, defense, special teams, and NIL. And I, I just, I wonder where we're going with this thing. I don't know. It's, you know, as far as players getting paid, you know, Nick Saban was all for that. Uh, you know, he was very much in favor 
of players getting paid. Um, I think he tried to warn a lot of people about the uh, transfer portal when that first was being uh, discussed because he realized, and it turned out to be the case, he realized that schools like Alabama and like Michigan and other schools of that nature would stand to benefit while others would not. And indeed, Alabama has gotten outstanding contributions over the last few years from players who have transferred in from other schools uh, and, and have made a home for themselves here with the University of Alabama. So it's and now, of course, with the, the loss of Coach Saban, we're seeing a lot of players who were coming here because of the coach uh, electing now to, to go elsewhere. So that further shows you the impact that Nick Saban had on recruiting, although it was very much part of the, the SEC and Alabama and, and its history. But you also see now how many people are leaving uh, because they wanted to play for Nick Saban. And now that he's not here, they're, they're looking elsewhere. A couple of them are looking to Columbus and coming to Ohio State center. Young quarterback who barely enrolled at Alabama and now is transferring to Ohio State. Uh, what can you tell yep. us about those two guys? Well, I don't know much about the quarterback at all. Uh, you know, I know who he is and all, but, uh, you know, the, let's, face, let's look at it this way. The, the, the thing that ha- has to be remembered, if you're good enough to be recruited by Nick Saban to come to Tuscaloosa, or if you're good enough to be recruited to come to Columbus, or if you're good enough to be recruited to come to you know, Ann Arbor, whatever, you're good. Okay, let's start with that premise. But those coaches don't, you know, they don't, uh, they don't recruit guys because they're good looking. They recruit them because they're quality ball players. And, and in case of Nick Saban, I can't speak for the others, but they, he recruits guys because they're quality people. Um, so, you know, anybody who goes to Columbus or ever from Tuscaloosa is a good, good player. Uh, and, um, you know, and that's it. And they just wanted to, you know, they wanted to play for Nick. And now that Nick Saban is not available to play for, well, they had to go and do what they felt was best for them. So I can't fault them at all. But, uh, you know, there's the game of college football, like you said, this game has changed drastically and it will continue to change over the years. Eli, with Tommy Reese interviewing with the Browns, he was a young offensive coordinator for Alabama. What might the Browns be getting here in a young football coach? Well, he's a he's known for his. I heard you talking before when you first signed on that the the talk is he's coming in to potentially work with tight ends, and obviously he has worked a lot with tight ends. Uh, his, his reputation, even before he came to Alabama was to work well with the tight ends. And then here in Tuscaloosa, uh, he has worked with Amari Nyblack and, and C.J. Dupree. And, you know, Alabama threw a lot to uh, the tight ends and used them as a vital part of the offense. Not the only part, certainly. Uh, we had some great wide receivers here and so on. But uh, Nick Saban has always enjoyed throwing the ball to the tight end 
and uh, and and you know Tommy continued that uh, tradition here. So uh, if if that's indeed the case, then I would I would say uh, he's uh, you know you guys are getting yourself a good man. There's no question about that. He's a great guy. I don't know if you know him at all, but he's a he's a great guy. And uh, you know his his background, his resume speaks for itself. Really does. Uh, let me ask you about Bill O'Brien going to Ohio State. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, Bill's a great coach. And uh, wherever he was, be it in the pros or collegiately, uh, he's, you know, he had to go someplace where he was comfortable. And, uh, and I, I'm, I'm happy for him because he, he, too, was a, a good man, a nice guy to talk with and, uh, and shoot the breeze with. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's a good man. Anybody who could uh, survive and, and flourish as he has over the years under a difficult group of head coaches, uh, I think he's a good man wherever he's going to end up. Eli Gold joining us. He's the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Playoffs change next year, Eli. I, I'm not sure. I think it'll be great for college football. What do you think, 12 teams? Well, you know, it's the playoff. I get, I, you know, you're asking the wrong guy because – Alabama never failed to make the playoffs, but once and, uh, you know, and, and, and that was, you know, and, and so we've always made it, but I'll tell you going into the playoffs this year, waiting for selections to come out. Uh, I said to somebody I said, boy, I wish this was next year because we all knew that Alabama was either going to be fourth or fifth in the uh, playoff uh, rankings this year. And I said, this would have been the good year for it to start with 12 teams. Would have saved a whole, a whole bunch of gray hairs from popping out in a bunch of people's <laughs> heads. But, uh, you know, it, it's fine. I think, though, we've still seen, we've still seen that the, the cream of the crop is still going to be there. And they're still going to win big against whomever. So um, there, there is just a difference I mean, there's a difference between Ohio State's quality and the Alabama quality and the Michigan quality vis-a-vis other schools that are, you know, yelling to try and get into the playoffs. Um, you know, it's uh, the same. I, I believe the same teams will be there uh, when, you, when you get down to your final four. Yeah, what do you think about the 12-team playoff? I mean, I'm kind of excited for it. I, I guess. Like I said, it's. It's fine. It'll be good because it'll allow schools that otherwise haven't had a lot to cheer about in the postseason. I'm not counting bowl games. I'm talking playoffs. Right. As schools that haven't had a lot to cheer about in the playoffs, well, now they'll be included. And even though those teams, the you know number 12, number 11, what have you, even though they're going to be playing on somebody else's campus, to open up the season, uh, open up the postseason, it's still going to be, it's like another road game. And, you know, obviously they will have had good success on the road during the regular season to get to this point. So it can't hurt by any stretch. But again, I still say it's going to be uh, the same group of suspects uh, when all is said and done and it's time to, to settle the final four. Yeah, Eli, my only concern about the playoff is is if we get 
you know, top players that are like, oh, I don't know, man, three more games, I'm going to the NFL, and I don't know if I'm going to play in this game. I don't think they'll do that. I don't think they'll do that. Uh, and and I only can use Alabama as a, as background, but when these games have meant – well, let me also tell you this. Alabama didn't lose players even if they were playing in the uh, in the Tangerine Bowl or whatever mm. they call it now. Right. You know, it, it's Nick Saban always got good character people. Uh, I, I personally, as Eli the sports fan, I'm not speaking for the university here, but as Eli the sports fan, I just thought it was a terrible slap in the face of your teammates when you bailed on them in the postseason. You know, it's a sport where you could get hurt. I understand that. But you could also have a great game against a pretty darn good opponent and and, and further heighten your stock uh, for the upcoming draft. Uh, I, I, I don't... Uh, you know, Alabama never lost players. Other schools did. Uh, I just, I didn't like any of that. I think if you're there, <clears throat> barring a major injury, you should, if for no other reason than out of loyalty to your teammates who you've played with all season long, you should stay. You can't let them flounder like that. But, you know, that's me. Maybe I'm from, I'm from a different generation, I guess. No, and I do appreciate the Tangerine Bowl reference because – you know, Jeff and I don't hang our hat on many Kent State bowl games, but when Nick was at Kent, they played in the Tangerine Bowl, so that was a good yes, reference. Yes, they did. Thank yes, you, Eli. Did. Thank you, thank you. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Eli. Talk to you soon. My pleasure, gentlemen. Take care. Take care. Eli Gold, the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide, uh, filling us in on all these Alabama connections, whether it's with the Browns or uh, Ohio State and all the things that we're talking about with college football. Touch on some of the things that he had to say. Plus, uh, Stephen Boat was in studio today. Your new manager of the Guardians. What did he have to say? Find out next. Baskin and Phelps, 92.3 The Fan. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Baskin and Phelps, he's Jeff Phelps. I'm Andy Baskin. Uh, 216-474-0092. I guess we had a special guest uh, in-house this morning, the new manager of the Guardians, uh, Stephen Vogt, doing a media tour today. I've seen him pop up on a couple TV channels and uh, also uh, on Instagram and some other stuff. Um, so, But we were lucky enough to, I guess, be on the tour today. And uh, Jeff, he well, we was- bought a ticket. So oh, we did? Yeah. I didn't realize. You had to buy a ticket to take those tours. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, that. wait a minute. Not... Sorry. He's also in town, I'm sure, for the Cleveland Sports Awards. And they, they did have Guards Fest this weekend, right? Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure. Um, so Guards Fest was was going on this weekend. So um, they asked him a number of questions. I want to start off with the first thing uh, that I thought was interesting. Why the Guardian's uh, managerial job was so appealing to him. The people. You know, just after one hour with Chris Antonetti, Mike Turnoff, and Matt Foreman, I, I told my wife, Alyssa, I said, that's where I want to work. Just meeting them, just hearing the way they speak about the people in the organization and what they believe in and what their what their core beliefs are, they align with mine. What say you? 
he was not a completely unknown candidate. You know, there, mm-hmm. there were supposedly some interest from other teams and things as well. I think that's a, a though it may be actu- actually true, it's a very standard answer. But might might be very true. I mean, you and know, I, I think highly of this front office, so I can see why why he they could be impressive to a young managerial candidate. Plus the fact that they offered him a job and a contract to stay in baseball. Well, that's a good way to put it at the end. But I, I, I think it's an interesting situation because I think they've always looked at it more as, and it doesn't matter whether it was, you know, even going back, I'm just thinking back at Chris's time here, whether it was, you know, Eric Wedge or uh, or Tito or, you know, the, the dynamic for the Guardians front office has always been one that it seems to be a little bit different. Like, you, first of all, I think you have to have a general manager that's going to buy into the restraints you may have as being uh, the general manager of the Guardians slash Indians and understanding your your budgetary restrictions and knowing that you've got to do things maybe a little bit different or maybe, you know, as the Dolans had showed early on, especially investing in the minor leagues, investing in trying to make sure that you have talent that's coming up as prospects and then, you know, trying to figure out a way to get it done. So, I, I mean, I can understand that, and I wonder what this is going to look like. Don't you, Jeff? I mean, especially with a younger manager, I think it's going to look different. What do you think? I just keep thinking rebuilding year. Is that a fair statement? And I don't want to keep thinking that, but I keep thinking that. It feels that way a little bit, don't you? Do you think so? 100% yes. Okay. I mean, they have they have made one really shiny move that you could point to and go, ooh, shiny, and that's Scott Barla, which I think everybody listening right now who doesn't totally pay attention went, who? So he might give you the ability to trade Emmanuel Classe, because that's what Guardians fans want to hear. Hey, our closer who throws 102 miles well, an hour might be able to be traded now. Is that, Huzzah! Is my is my statement? Is it completely off base? I don't think no, so. No, exactly. It's not right. But it's not that shiny. Hmm. All right, let's move on. He also has this uh, extremely tough task of having to fill the shoes of Terry Francona, no matter how you look at it. He's got to try to fill his shoes, and whether he puts his own stamp on it right away or it takes a little time, that's all right in front of him. Taking over for somebody like Tito, you're not having to come in and make a 180 with an organization. They're in a really good place. So it's let's pick up where you guys left off, and let's see how much we can improve and get better from here. I, I just I wonder how the voice in the room is going to sound. Like I, I got to believe that Tito's voice was loud especially early on if they needed it to be for instruction and guidance for a front office that still was still relatively young and that, and they knew they were lucky when they got him in the beginning. And I wonder if it's more of a partnership or if it's more of a, Hey, we know you understand the game. You know how to play the game. You were just playing it. We get it. You can relate to the players, but uh, this is what it's like to be on the other side. Like, I wonder how those meetings will go down as time tells like right now. I mean, obviously it's a love fest going on and, and we all know how that plays out, and it's great. It's like, hey, it's the people. They're the reason I want to be here. And that should be. should probably be the number one reason why. But the reality of the business aspect of it is, at some point, someone's got the loudest voice in the room to make things happen. He's given no one any reason to think he's going to be anything other than a great guy. And his success as a manager will be determined by the talent that he's provided with. And how he manages. For the most part. Yeah. I think mainly it's the talent. Then what is the job of the manager? If they give you good organize, talent, organize the talent, organize the baseball structure of the team. Again, 
you very rarely see a manager or a coach take a bunch of crap and win with it. Sorry. It has happened before. Um, not big. Hmm. Um, he also talked about how Terry Francona helped him get comfortable here in Cleveland. The reception that I've gotten from the fans and from people has just been, it's, it's helped me relax. It's helped me really feel welcome. And, you know, anytime you're taking a new job, it's daunting and you're replacing a Hall of Famer uh, even more so. But Tito's been great to me. He's been a, a great resource and, and I couldn't be more thankful. And still with the organization. Yeah, that's kind of cool that, you know, you can pick up the phone. Hey, Terry, what, what did you think of this? Well, he really hasn't had to do that yet. Can I bounce this? Oh, you mean just well, like maybe being he already in Cleveland? Has. Or? No, maybe he already has. Saying, should you, I get a car or should I just buy a scooter at this point? No, or? should I get a center fielder who can hit? Yeah, but that's not up to him. That's up to the general manager. Well, that's not a com- not completely. Help me. Help me with what you're well, saying. Well, you just said about the talent and all. And I yeah. said, you got to have talent to win. You went, yeah. well, that's not all up to him. And yeah, it is kind of. I have no idea. I've, in 12 years, I've never been as lost as I am right now. They've got to provide him with the center fielder or whatever you want. Yeah, and then you got to play the best guys. Okay, that I can agree with. Who but, gives you the best chance to score some runs? But you better believe. Get Miles Straw out of center fielder, Steven. Please, get him out. Sorry. What if he doesn't have a say in that? Well, then there is a problem, isn't there? That's where I'm going, Andy. We're going to find out, was Miles Straw a creation of the front office or was he a Tito Francona favorite? And this reporter thinks it's about time. And I can't wait to find out the answer, Andy Baskin. So what kind of expectations does Vote have for this year? Our expectation is to win the World Series. It, it always will be. If you don't show up to spring training believing you can win the World Series, you might as well not show up. Yes. If we all do our job and we all play well and we do the little things right, we're going to be right in contention, and I think we have the group that can do it. It's going to take a lot of work, and it's going to take some guys having some really good years. Yes. Yes. Jump in the pool. Dan, are we in the pool? Are we swimming? He just said World Series, man. We better expect to try to be there at the end of the well, year. Well, that's okay. Andy, good. Aren't you glad? Yes. Andy? Yeah. I go to a man who's taught me a lot about a lot of different things in life. Yes. Peter LaFleur. I found that if you have a goal, that you might not reach it. But if you don't have one, then you are never disappointed. I, I try and live by this little motto. I, we got to live by Peter's motto. Have no expectations. Peter done wonder for my life. Yes, he has. Have no expectations of others. You'll never be disappointed. You can't expect to change people. That's always been my line. I have expectations of about five people in my entire life. That's it. None in this room? I just want to of make sure. Of course not. Oh, okay, God, I just no. want would to make you sure. Ex- would you expect, would anything, you expect out anything out of us? I do expect little things out of you guys, yeah. I would hope that you would expect things out of me that I let you down yeah, pick on me every up a day. Coke Zero once in a while when you go downstairs, and oh, you do that. Thank that's you. That's all. Well, no problem. Yeah. You shower often. We're appreciative of I, that. You know, I feel good about that. I bought you a cup of coffee the other day. That was you did buy of, me a cup of coffee, and it was very nice. You're yeah, the most generous man in the world. When it comes to a cup of coffee and a Coke Zero. Yeah, that's all that matters. bathing habits. Really all we've ever had. Maybe I should own the team. Jeff, this one's for you. Oh, good. Okay. It's an Oscar Gonzalez question. The boys asked Stephen Boat <laughs> if he would like his young hitters. You know, he's available. Yes. yes. He's available. Any yeah. chance he's coming back? No. No? Maybe you would offer him that real cool Beaumont Golden Gator sweatshirt. He might come back. Terry already told everybody, no, don't bring him back. Okay, Tito. He's still in the office, I guess. Would you like your young hitters to be aggressive? He was what? asked. Hey, when it's a 2-0 count, take a shot. 
I don't care if you swing and miss at a slider in the dirt 2-0. I want you trying to do damage and really like helping them understand trying to impact the baseball. It's okay to swing and miss before two strikes. That's okay. We got to take some shots to hit the ball in the gap. Which means you're going to have to get a new center fielder for that to happen. Mm, it's true, but he shouldn't say it. I'm sorry. Please, for the love of God, put somebody who can hit in center field. Jeff, what do you think the biggest thing the Guardians need this season? Uh, some guys who can hit the ball in the gap at the very least. Hey, there's a flare over the second baseman's head. That's a single. You string four of those together, you might get a run. <laughs> Any chance you can hit it out of the park on one swing? and That's what Steven's talking about on 2-0, Andy. Just making sure. Only issue, you got to have some guys who can do that. Dwayne Kuyper's unavailable. Oh, good. There's one. I don't think that's going to put us in the top of the league. Dan, as we walk into this, uh, are we in hot stove right now? It doesn't feel like hot stove. Um, uh, we're in We're in everybody looking around at each other and going, well, there's guys who are available, but none of us know how much money we're getting, so they're going to sit there. Yeah, how much has this TV thing screwed them up? It's a mess. This is an absolute mess. I am typically not someone who makes excuses for billionaires. This is a train wreck because yeah, I don't think the I don't think the Dolans are billionaires. Because this is the primary resource of a lot of teams for money is these cable deals. Unless they sell. These cable deals are what really brings it in. Like butts in the seats helps, yeah. yes, but that's supplementary to the primary income, Absolutely. which is these cable deals. And this whole Diamond Sports Group bankruptcy, but maybe Amazon's coming in. Amazon's only taking care of a couple of these teams. The Guardians, the Rangers, the Twins are still on the outside looking in. Uh, it's caused a serious mess. I mean, the fact that the, the Rangers, a perfect example, haven't brought in Jordan Montgomery, who everybody loves and the organization loves, and he fits exactly what they did when they won the World Series. And they're kind of at a stalemate because they don't know how much money they're going to have this year. I mean, this is this is a mess. This is a bad, bad mess. Hmm. And I mean, I'm again, I don't like making excuses. My thing would be like, hey, there's a here's the lull in the market. Go jump in. Go get guys to help you. Go get outfielders so that you don't end so, the season with Aaron Judge out homering your whole outfield. I mean, ultimately, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's outfield, entire team. It's, it's close. Not good. It's not good. I think the guards broke the 100 mark on home runs, but they were dead last. We're going to get into this. I I just, you're, you're going to have to find the some The Guardians offense. outfield last season hit 16 home runs. Second baseman out hit the Guardians outfield. So you're saying there's nowhere but up to go on this thing. Let's yeah, be optimistic yeah, about it. Right yeah. there is. It's the people. I am curious to see if we see any change in players and change in lineups, if that was a Terry Francona thing or if that was a front office thing. You know what I mean? Like if suddenly some guys who played last year aren't playing this year and somebody else is, that tells you all you need to know. It might not be good or bad, but it might tell it might give you the answer. Maybe, maybe we will get the answers. Hop on in. 216-474-0092. Baskin and Phelps. 92.3 The Fan.
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.